Podcast like a motherfucker. Welcome to Amazon Podcast, episode number 22. Uh, we're fresh off the uh, Battle of Copenhagen, which was last weekend. And I'm fortunate enough today to be here with the winner of the Battle of Hello. Copenhagen. Welcome, Lasse. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. You've been on the podcast a few times before. Yeah, once or twice, I think. Yeah, and uh, as a tournament regular, and you're winning all the tournaments at the moment, doing very well with yes. the Beast Herds. Yes, thank you. So today what we're going to do, we're going to have a bit of a wrap-up of uh, Lasse's tournament, uh, talk about his list, how he won the tournament, and then um, some interesting points about the Beast army, and perhaps how Lasse's going to develop his list into the future. So first things first, Lasse, let me just go through your list and tell us why it was so good at this tournament. Yes, thank you, Henry. Uh, first, I should say that the list is also... Uh, you can see it down below the podcast, right? Yeah, I'll put it on the show notes yeah. for the podcast. Um, but the idea behind the list was to try to build something that no one else does. Uh, I wanted to build an army that had no monsters, that was not easy to shoot. And then I was inspired uh, or had this idea about building a, a Doombo. A Minotaur Warlock that was so strong. Doombull drink. Doombull, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast, Lasse. <laughs> yeah. The idea was to build a Minotaur Warlock that was so strong that he didn't need any uh, magic to boost him in fights. Um, so I came up with this Minotaur Warlock. He had like a beast axe, a shield, heavy armor. Bluffer's helmet, so he's down at a 2 plus armor save. Then I gave him a 4 plus ward save and crown of horns. Uh, crown of horns is an item that makes his unit, uh, makes so his unit doesn't have to pass a primal instinct test. And the idea was to put him in a unit that could shoot him <laughs> as far forward as possible. So what you're, what you're talking about here is actually charging him out of the unit. Yes, so, exactly. And so he's kind of strong enough to be fight on his own. Yeah. Doesn't need backup from a unit, doesn't yeah. need backup from magic. He can run out there and kill things on his own. Yes. And the idea was to put him in six minor towers, give them stalker standard so he can charge uh, with switch stripe. And then uh, next to the unit I would have a razor tusk chariot adding one inch to his charge move. That's the rule for the Razor Tusk Chariot? Yes, within six inches, everything charges one inch more. And, uh, What's that special rule called, Lasse? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, bring two totems to the army, so you could uh, cast uh, extra charge range on the unit, D3 plus one. Wow, so that would give the Minotaur effect eight plus D3 inches. Uh, seven, uh, seven for the movement, uh, plus uh, 3d6 taking the two highest, that's your oh, average range uh, yeah. 8 or 9, and yeah. then plus d3 plus 1, that's <laughs> an average around 3 extra. So you can like charge him across the board. What's, what's like the max charge range of that then? Uh, 
That would be 4 plus 12, that's 16, plus 1, that's 17, plus... Isn't the monitor moving to 6? Yeah, but then the razor touch chariot is adding 1. So it's 6 plus 12, that's 18. Yeah, plus and 1. Plus 1 for the razor touch, so 19. 19 plus 4 from the totem. That's so like 23 inches. 23 inches is the maximum charge range. And average, that's probably like 20 or something, right? And also remember, it's not only the average for him, it's the average for the unit. <laughs> so you yeah. can charge the whole unit uh, a maximum of 23 inches. So if you're standing far, far away and trying those very difficult charges, uh, it's there's no risk in it. Yeah, because, because you're only going to go you forward. If you fail, you just six. go forward yeah. like six inches maybe, and then you're still in a secure position. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that was the <laughs> idea with the list. But I ended up uh, not using the stalker standard because I couldn't find room for the stalker standard because I needed the ether icon to uh, display as a master. Yes. But that was the idea behind the list. The rest of the list is a minor tower chieftain with flayed height that gives him a toughness 6 and 4 region. He's a BSP, right? Yes. And I gave him the flail. The flail <laughs> is so amazing. It, it makes him uh, strike first if you cast extra charge range and extra initiative totem on the unit. And um, he's also a totem bearer. So you get a lot of value in one, one character. You get both the totem, you get the BSB, and you get a fighter. Mm. So you get like three in one. Do you know how many points he is? Off the Five, top of your 500, head? around 500 points. That's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. But the issue with this guy is that he's having no mountain armor. So you can't leave the unit. Is he just going to get shot off? Yeah. So many people bring alchemy, that's flame, fire. Yeah. They bring uh, pyromancy. They bring small archers with, uh, that wound him on sixes, and then he's only like a four plus region. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it's uh, you have to keep him in, in the monitor yeah, to protect him, right? True. Only in in a very few circumstances you will leave the unit. Okay. So the monitor warlord is that your general? And nope. I also have a chieftain uh, with heavy armor and hardened shield. And uh, so that's a two, is that a two, yeah. plus, armor two save? plus armor save, and then I gave him a six plus ward save because you get a lot of value for the points with the six plus ward save. And then I uh, brought a crown of autocracy and made him the general. That gives him plus one leadership. It gives him plus one leadership, so it's leadership nine. And uh, the idea is he should just stand behind everything <laughs> in a unit of raiders. I guess that's because if, you, also. if your monitor warlord is the general and you're charging him out of the unit yeah. really far, then that's it's a bit risky with getting plus two hundred <coughs> points to kill yeah, the general. True. So that so that kind of saves those points from from harm, right? Yeah, exactly. And also um, having him as the having this chieftain as the general makes me. Uh, it increases uh, what I call BSP and leadership management. Because all every time I build an army, I try to set it up on a table and see if I can fit everything within range. Because in the Beastman army with primal instinct, low leadership and frenzy, stuff like that, leadership and BSP management is the, like the most important thing in this army. 
Okay. If you don't uh, take this into consideration, you can't be a top player playing a beast hurts. It's so important, no matter what. So I guess you have, you, you can kind of combine those bubbles, I yeah. guess, to to kind of cover your whole army. So you definitely got leadership nine, mm. or you've got a reroll at least. Yes, at sometimes least. both. But what I normally do is that I place all the valuable, expensive units in the center of the army, making sure they have both ESP yeah. and leadership nine. And then uh, I use uh, drunken uh, centaurs on the flanks because they are immune to psychology. Okay. And when I charge something with them, I always calculate them with not passing primal instinct tests. Okay. Um, but the rest of the army is then two units of raiders with scout and ambush. I always use the scout rule. I never use the ambush rule. Why is, why is that? That's interesting, because most of the time you see people ambushing with them. Yeah, I, have from, I have been playing Beast Herds and Beastmen also in uh, when it was called Warhammer. And <laughs> Back in the day. I have never seen any value of using uh, the ambush rule. Is this just with the raiders or in general? In general. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, because the thing is that... Um, Having everything on the table at the same time gives you so many opportunities for uh, thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. And you can also think ahead with um, with using ambush, but then you you have to decrease your uh, not the value not. of your BSP and uh, general uh, leadership. Because they're outside of the bubble yeah. and you don't actually know if they're going to come on. Yeah, and you don't know when they will come on and if they come on, the guy just turns a monster or something with a small base yeah. around. For example, if you have a big unit, you are thinking, yes, this is a great big ambushing unit. They have a lot of attacks. They are extremely scary. Uh, but if they fight something with a small base, yeah, they can't do much. Yeah, they can't do much. Um, so you're you're scouting them. You you can argue for having very small scoring units of uh, gore. Yeah, gore. Are they still called gores? Yes, they're called gores. No, what? Wild horns. Wild horns. We should both drink. We should drink. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. They are they are good for taking scenarios. Yeah. But I have so many other units that can take the scenario. And the cent the centaurs are they scoring? Yes, if they are drunk. if they are drunk okay. they are scoring. Cool. It is army list. I have a very few scoring units, but that's because of the scenarios at the yeah. tournament. My ETC list I have changed a lot of stuff and not a lot of stuff, but some of the if. We'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll uh, get through to that. So so you said that you using the scouts. What kind of what what kind of position are you trying to put them in? Are you trying to threaten war machines? Are you using them as redirectors? Are you putting them in front of key units? How are you using them as scouts? Um, normally, I place them actually on the flanks just to shoot with the bows, mm -hmm. and uh, but not at the completely at the flanks. Like um, 12 inches from the edge? 18 inches from the edge, so they can also go in and uh, stand in the way. Yeah. So they have like a multi-purpose. Uh, okay. Or what you also can do, you can place it 
exactly in front of your army, um, 18 away from the opponent, standing in one line, then one unit with 10 raiders is approximately 31.25 centimeters. And <laughs> approximately. You can, and, you can, <laughs> and you can walk um, 10, 10 inches. inches forward, and then you are quite close to your opponent, blocking his whole army with one single unit. Yeah, it's probably quite annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's really annoying. Especially and if you know you're getting the first turn. Yeah. Then you can just do that and I can yeah, move, no risk. move my rest of my army up back. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for that stuff, I have my gargoyles and other stuff. Okay. I will explain uh, when we reach that unit. So you have another unit of raiders. Yes. And that, you said that's going to be your chieftain bunker. Exactly. I always use the raiders for the bunker because they are very mobile and they can uh, shoot with volley fire, so they can shoot over my uh, units in front without getting penalty. Do you, do you value the 10 shots that highly? Yes, <laughs> I do. I, uh, I value every small detail in my armor list and I try to maximize every situation I can, because that's the only way you can win a tournament. You yeah. have to really focus on the smallest value you can get out of each unit. There you go. If you if you want to win a tournament, that's the that's the level that you have yeah. to get to. Yeah. Valuing every bow shot. Yeah, I've also started a project, but that's maybe another discussion, where I calculate the value point ratio of each unit in the army group. <laughs> that sounds pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, because you also have to take uh, syn uh, synergies into consideration. So I try to multiply with the synergy effect if I take two uh, units in the same army list. Okay, so you're, you're very calculated. So each each magic spell has a has a like a points value and compared to each unit. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yes. <laughs> okay, it's definitely that's definitely a topic for another uh, day. Uh, <laughs> so um, your next yeah your next unit is a thirty nine wild horns. Yeah. 39 wild horns with paired weapons, so they are initiative 4, 2 attacks each, full command group, no totem, <laughs> and the banner of the wild, so they in one round of combat can get one more in strength. So they can be strength 4 with 2 attacks each? Yes. Yes, that's quite solid. It's so good. If they all strike, it's uh, 41 attacks. Wow, yeah, because you play them in horde, of course. Yeah, I always play them in horde, and... Uh, I have discussed this with many people and a lot of uh, Beast Hurts players, and they argue that this is a semi-good unit. Well, why? why? But, my, but in uh, I would argue till the day I die <laughs> that this is the best core unit in the game. Okay, interesting. Uh, you, you, of course, if you don't bring this unit, you can get another core setup with a lot of scoring units and stuff like that. But this unit, if you play it right and do the math, it's the best unit and the best core unit in the game. Interesting. So why why do you think forty is better than two small units of say twenty? <clears throat> uh, because you get the extra value of the banner of the wild. I guess it's just like uh, like the the points value. It makes more sense, right? Yes. Uh, it makes more sense, and uh, also you get the opportunity to strike in uh, with more attacks. And um, the good thing with this unit is that you have to play it uh, uh, correct. 
Never put a character in that unit. Okay. Never. Only if you have nowhere else to go. Why, why is that? Because you want to be able to flee. Okay. And, and so few people are thinking, I would flee with a horde with 40 men. <laughs> but it's so important to... Uh, what, what kind of situations would you flee <clears throat> from? Because uh, are you not using it as like an anchoring unit, like an anvil? I'm using, I try to move as fast forward that I can, so I have a lot of space behind the unit. Okay. I never place units behind the unit if it will give me the possibility to run out over the table. Okay. So no characters in the unit, don't increase its costs, and don't place anything behind it. That's two core rules. Okay. And then you move as far forward as possible, and you always make sure to have a second unit to flank whatever that will charge the big unit. Okay. Um, and there's two things you should be afraid of. Characters with a high armor safe yeah, and a small base because you get don't get value out of all your attacks uh, and you can't go through that armor safe. Um, what kind of things are you trying to charge with this unit? Let's take this first. If, if, if a, for example, if a chariot hero with a high armor safe and stuff like that yeah. charges this unit, you are in a really bad situation. And also with monsters. Monsters uh, is a big problem for this unit because of the fear rule minus okay, one yeah. to leadership when they are taking the steadfast test, yeah. then you have to take it on leadership eight. Yeah. And then it starts to get scary. Yeah, it's a little bit dicey, isn't so it? So that's the two things you should forever avoid playing this unit. But everything else they will quite easily run it yeah. over. Um and you can also cast the totem, making them charge longer and giving them more initiative. So they strike first with initiative seven. Which is se initiative seven? Yeah, is it plus, plus three initiative? Yes. Wow, that spells good. That's really good. And uh, you can also, um, if you use evocation magic, you can make them reroll to wound. So even after you use the banner of wild with yeah. the 40 attacks, they can reroll to moon. That's good. With the uh, shamanism, you can give them extra strength. That's or, extremely powerful. Or toughness, toughness yeah, five. Or toughness, yeah, toughness five. So what I normally do is that I check a charge from another big uh, horde unit. I get reduced in size, and then I reform. And I, I go like, if I have 20 guys left, I turn them into a small anvil instead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, going five wide and then deep. Yeah. Uh, boss mode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So that's your core setup. Yeah. Um, what about the, the, I think the next unit is probably the most important unit. Yeah. It's the Minotaurs. I have six of those with full command, paired weapons, and ether icon. And uh, what I do with this unit, I just place all my, uh, my I put my Minotaur Chieftain and my Minotaur Warlord in that unit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because, uh, and I place that unit, I always deploy it in the same way. I always place the Minotaur unit at the center of the table, the Razor Tusk Chariot to the right, the, depending on how the opponent are deploying, and the Gore Horde on the left and then the six racer tasks to the 
right of the Razor Tusk Chariot, and then one Razor Tusk, single Razor Tusk, and five Centaurs on each flank. Okay, and that's just the chap. Yeah. And the flankers, right? Yeah, and then behind the army, I placed the five Gargoyles. Okay. So they can fly over. Yeah. Um, what the opponent uh, normally does is that he pushes forward uh, a cheap vanguarding unit to stop the big unit of uh, to stop the big unit of Minotaurs. I then take my gargoyles charging over the the, the charging over the Minotaurs and into the chat. Because then you avoid the frenzy overrun, right? Uh, yeah, of course I can avoid that, yeah. but also the gargoyles is uh, middle chaff, I call it middle chaff, because they are not bad at fighting, they have okay. primal instinct, they have extra strength when they charge, so strength yeah. four, two attacks each, and if you put more initiative on them, they strike before the other chaff and stuff yeah. like that, and they kill it outright, and they overrun. Yeah. And then you are suddenly in a position where you have gained some points, and now you're chatting your opponent, and then you just push your army forward. Okay, yeah, that's, that's quite an interesting tactic. Yeah. So, as you um, alluded to, you also have Razor Tusks. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a big unit of six. Yes. Two small, just single ones. Yeah, the and big unit of six is an <coughs> extremely powerful unit because it has swift strife, and, but uh, it really needs a leadership and BSB management. So... It's important to keep it close and also to keep it close to the Razor Toss chariot because then they have eight in movement when they charge with the Swiss pipe. That's nice. Yeah. And also they can move forward and take a beating in their face because they are tough in the spike. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they, they are. But never bring more than one unit. <clears throat> I have tried experiencing bringing three of those units and stuff like that. But then you're getting in such a hard time with the leadership and BSB management yeah. that you can't uh, you, you can't, can't control it. All them. No. And uh, it's uh, I've seen so many players being charged by terror causing and being out of leadership, so they are leadership six taking yeah. the terror panic test. And Shit. yeah, so it's so important to manage that well. And then I bring two single race tasks. And I, after this weekend, I have thought it through, and I don't want to bring them anymore. Okay, they didn't work so well. Uh, in other against some armies, they work well. They are fast. They hit with four strength six attacks when they charge. But they are because they have no armor save. They are quite easy to shoot down, yeah, and they they don't give me any scoring value mm -hmm. or stuff like that. So I would like to change those to centaurs for my EDC list. Okay. Um, and then I have two units of centaurs. They with paired weapons, so they go in with three attacks each when they charge strength five, so that's fifteen wow. attacks. That's if you pass primal instinct, you can reroll to hit. They get devastating charges, centaurs. Yeah, when nice. they are drunk, they get plus one. Uh, so that's yes, thunderous. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, they yeah. get thunderous charge. Thunderous charge. Yeah. yeah. Plus one strength, but uh, I find it a medium unit because they take points away from other stuff you would like in your army, but still they are scoring, they are very mobile, so normally I just put them on the flanks so the opponent can 
place his units in a flanking position without being flanked by me. Okay, so really far out. Yeah, so they don't they don't really actually do anything else than that. Okay, and you said because they're drunk, they're immune to psychology, yes. so you don't need to take panic tests if you're Yeah, and then in the end of the game, they do the stuff that Skull units yeah. do. They run to their opponents, the flymen, so on. if it's breakthrough, they run into the center if it's taking the center. Yeah. If you're playing two objectives, they're also very good because they are both within range to move into each of them. And yeah. So they have um, they are a multi-purpose unit. And then finally, you have the Razor Sush Chariot that's yeah. <laughs> they're giving everyone plus one movement. Yeah, I was uh, thinking about changing it into two of the small chariots because they are only ten points more. But then I played at the tournament and I found it so valuable having only one chariot because the only thing that cannons really can get value out of shooting at is this single chariot. Yeah. That was my reason of thinking of removing it. But what I do is that if I have some dice left in the magic phase, I always cast the hard target and magic resistance 3 on this single chariot. And with 5 wounds, toughness, 5, 4, water, it's yeah. quite yeah. often always ending into combat. Okay. And uh, it also is are there. The only real reason for having it in the army is to get the extra charge range. Yeah. So it has uh, done its part. If you, yeah, if, if it stands I, there and doesn't die. If I get into a charge. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Um. So yeah, that was Lasse's list. Um. As we said, Lasse was the winner of the Battle mm. of Copenhagen, which was probably. I think it was about a 44-person tournament here in Copenhagen yeah. last weekend. 44. Um, so that's a well done, Lasse. Congratulations Thank for that you. win. Um, we'll come back after the break and we'll talk about uh, how Lasse did that. Mm. Maybe just a quick rundown of his games. Mm. Um, in other news, I think Amatam did very well at this tournament. Yeah, we did. I think Great. in the I think we had five people in the top ten. Yeah. Me included. I came third place on on a after. Before painting scores and yeah. on battle points, so that was with my ancient dragon list, which uh, we talked about last podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Oliver, we should also say I played Oliver in the final. Yeah. So we had a equal amount of points, Oliver and I. Yeah. 65, 65 being number one and two at the tournament. I won over him 22, zero. That was sad because then he came a little down, but yeah. it was not. I think he came in fifth place. Yeah, fifth. So. So well done to Oliver as well. Yeah. And um, I think Ulrich came seventeenth. I think Simon did really well. I can't remember who else came in the yeah. in the top in the top ten, but we had about five guys there mm. in the top ten, so we did really well. Yeah. Um. So congrats to the guys there. Well, and, uh, yeah, we'll come back after break and we'll talk a little bit more about Lass's games and some more about the beast herds. Yeah. Oh 
welcome back. Welcome back. Henry P. Miller and I got Lassa still. Hello. Still uh, in the in the Nurbro boudoir of Lassa. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the games that we had at the tournament, um, focusing in on uh, Lassa's list and and how he how he won the tournament. Obviously, being very successful in all your games. Um, did you actually won all of your games? Yes, I won them all. Every single one. That's pr- that's a pretty convincing. Um, yeah. So first up, uh, my game. I was playing with the Ancient Dragon list we talked about. Um, I got I lost the first game actually. I played against uh, Amitama Associate Andy with his uh, Warriors and yeah, MSU Warriors with all the movement six lust reroll charge stuff. Yeah, it got to me. Couldn't 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 kill it. He, Andy played a really solid game, and I made more mistakes than him. How about you? First game. Yeah, my first game was against uh, Thomas Lauerfeld, and he played Dread Elves. He had a quite solid list, I think, with a lot of uh, heroes in chariots. Uh, I, I talked to Thomas before the before uh, the tournament, uh, and he's like, "Henry, what are you bringing?" And I was <laughs> like, "You know, free bolt throwers, dragon." And he's like, "Okay." Henry, what do you think about my list? And he showed me his list. And he's like, Thomas, you haven't got any bolt throwers. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, but you you know that you have to have three bolt throwers in your elf army if you want it to be a good elf army. He's like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> then he played you first game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but in but in one way his army was quite good against mine because I have no shooting, not in magic, no. I yeah, I have thirty normal bows on yeah. my radius, but that's it. So I couldn't really get rid of his units without fighting him. Yeah. And he was also built for fighting. But most of his units was immune to psychology, so he couldn't flee. I know he had a big unit of cold one night. Uh, fuck. Raptor Knights. Raptor Knights with BSP and a Hero in Chariot, a Lord in Chariot, a Mage, and a big unit of those, uh, the old name are Witch Elves. <laughs> Drink. They're called Blades of Nab. Blades of Nab with the Godwine. Was it, was it the Alter with yeah. the BSB and the Cauldron? No, it's just an Elder without a hero one. Ah, okay. That was the problem. Yeah. And you, you won this game 20-0. <laughs> yeah, I did. Any highlights? Um, I think it was a good good match. Yeah. I had no clue that I would win, win that much before the game started. Um, okay. How did the mines or warlord do? I think I ended up charging uh, my minotaur. No, actually, it was my gore gore unit that <laughs> won that whole game. Yeah. They charged his uh, big unit, you know, with the elder and, and everything. They charged yeah. it face to face, and I put on more initiative, and they were striking first. So you got you got the plus three initiative spell yeah, off. so they okay. kind of killed all the... All the witcher... Oh, fuck. <laughs> blades of Nap. All the Blades of Nap. And, um, so you, we were talking just now. Then um, I killed that unit, I overran, and suddenly I had my Gaul unit in front, or behind his enemy lines. Yeah, okay. So we, we're just talking now that you have... Double totem bearer, right? Yeah. And so this this allows you to pretty much like guarantee almost that you're going to get one one spell that you need. I on. think I have. Uh, it depends on how many dice. Yeah, of course. Roll because I 
If your it's like opponent one get six. plus one because yeah. it's a bounce spell. It's a bounce spell, and then he got uh, if he has a master plus yeah. two more, and if he has book of what is called arcane. Book of arcane yeah. power, I think. Arcane power, yeah. It's, so it's a total of plus four. Yeah. Then I have a hard time when we have a lot of dice. Yeah. Um, but if we have a few dice, I just roll everything for that single spell, or I divide it into two pools. Yeah. Because you have double of each spell, because you yeah. have two totem bearers, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really strong. I mean, I find the same. I'm running divination, mm. and I have like two magic missiles, so I can I can throw half on one and half on the other, and then they have to choose which one they want to stop. Do you have two because it's a bound? No, well, usually usually you roll two magic missiles <coughs> if you need them. Ah, yeah, okay, two and, different. And I also have the Ring of Fire as well, so that gives me a third one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was 20 nil. So the yeah. <laughs> you went in there, smashed up the Blades of Nab. Yeah. Uh, everything ran away. Yeah. And uh, and that I guess that, that that's a big swing straight away. Mm. So I guess that won you the game. How about game two? Yeah, I think at game two I, mo- I made the Ogre Care. Cans the Thama Thirty uh, build. Yeah. I think that's the, the probably thumb, thumb turkey. Uh, I think that's probably the best build out there right now for all army books. Yeah, I played this it, game. It this was guy game so five. insane. Like two yeah. of those chariot cannons, two of those monsters. Rock rocks. With a three D three strength seven impact hits and. Uh, Four scoring units with great weapons and yeah. uh, and that crazy, crazy, crazy magic. Yeah, the, the magic phase is yeah, insane. It's really uh, but uh, in this fight, actually, the build worked with firing the doom bolt out of the unit. What, what did you charge into? It charged into uh, four. Um, oh, here we go. Tusker knights. Tusker Cavalry. Yeah. I'll let you off with that one. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was pretty good. And he has a, a Doombull has a small base, so he can only strike back with two of them. Yeah. So he killed them, uh, broke them, and ran them off the table. And he turned around after or came in again and was standing behind the enemy lines. Yeah. And then it was easy to sandwich him in. It was still a tough fight because he was quite good at uh, placing his units and stuff like that. But in the end, it ended 19 to 1 for me. Nice job. How did the big unit of uh, Wild Horns do this game? I, can I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, but one thing I want to add to this is I had a long uh, dis- I had a discussion online with some ETC players about. Um, the characters with Bluffer's Helmet and 4 plus Warsafe and Cannons. Yeah. Because if you do the math, if Here you have Bluffer's Helmet and 4 plus Warsafe, there's 5.6% chance of making 4 wounds on your hero. Is that is that a high amount? Is that a high risk? Uh, no, in, in my point of view, I would if I had had if I also add monsters. For example, if you play uh, orcs and goblins, yeah, and you have a uh, your general in a chariot having bluffers and four plus warsafe, and yeah. you also bring two, uh, you also bring uh, two uh, Ragnaroks, the spiders, gargantuas, gargantuas <laughs> stuff. Gotta learn these names, lastly. Get down yeah. with the nine page lingo. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
<laughs> and um, <clears throat> my point of view is that you can easily turn him into a general because yes, of course, if he dies to one shot, all your entire army falls apart because you lose the very important leadership. But still, there's only 5.6% of this happening. And yes, I know it's vital if it happens, but there's 18% chance of making four wounds on the Gargantua. <laughs> so it's so, better to so shoot the if the opponent uh, are acting irrational, how do you say Irrational, uh, rationally? No, not rationally. The opposite. Irrationally. Irrationally, and shoots at you mathematically irrational. He would shoot at the general. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And so while your hero with the bluffers and faultas sucks up all the bullets, your entire army is home safe. Yeah. But in my uh, in in the case with my army, I don't have any other monsters. Yeah, so there's no other. But if, if I had, I would never, never think about not running him alone. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that's a good point. So if you're playing with the monster mash list hmm. and you have that monitor, he's pretty safe. I would always run him alone because if the opponent shoots uh, cannons at him, he's not shooting at all the other monsters. Yeah. And first you have to hit him. He doesn't get plus one because he's not a uh, towering presence. Uh, you have a four plus war save and you also have to reroll to wound. I know you wound on two plus, but you have to reroll it because yeah. of bluffs. It's always a chance to get yeah. one, right? So there's only 5% chance of getting uh, the the four wounds. Yeah, okay. So, um, my game two, I played against... I played against Thomas Brugger yeah. uh, with the Demon Legions, and um, he was running a, I would say, quite a shooty list with a big unit of slaughterers and a demon engine. He had two guys on the chariots of change, change chariots, like shooty chariots, and this one went really well for me. Um, basically, I shot off both his chariots in the first turn through divination and some good rolls on my bolt throwers. He could not save anything. <laughs> I think he, his dice failed him turn one, and then I was up, and then I just drawed him into the ground. And Daisy, Daisy the Ancient Dragon, got fed. She ate a unit of the Pestilence guys. <laughs> she ate a unit of the... The Lust guys, both monsters infantry, then she turned around and ate the whole unit of slaughterers. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was a fat dragon by the end of that game. And I think I think I won that one twenty nil. Right. So game three lesser, last the last game of day one. Yeah. Game three was my hardest game at the tournament. It was against uh Tor Masson and his uh Sauron engines. It was a very shooty list with a slam and a lot of good matches. It's not called a slam, it's called a cuttle drink. Oh, I have to drink. <laughs> Come on, that's it. It was really a tough match. And uh, I, I did a risky thing. I. What was the percentage? Not in my favor. <laughs> it was uh, 35% of happening. Okay. And, what and did, if, what did if, you if do? it wouldn't happen, I would have been in a really bad situation. Okay. Uh, it was like my big unit charging some chaff got the opportunity to overrun into his land. Okay. But Tor plays Quite very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
remember this. Yeah, and he flanked me with some. I can't say. I can't. I can't say the names. <laughs> what, what was what's the old Ranked name? Up skinks. Ranked up skinks. I think they called skink braves. Skink braves and the flank. So finally, when the match was over, I didn't kill his slain, so it fled. Cut off, drink. Ah. <laughs> Three times, come on. Ah, I got it wrong. <laughs> Basically, the slain fled away, but rallied. And, uh, but I still got the opportunity to kill the rest of the army, so it ended something like 14 to 6. Okay, and how about the Minotaur Warlord or the Minotaurs? Did they, did they have an impact on the game? Yeah, because they were the one killing everything else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you held them in place with the block and then killed everything else with the army, with, in the, with the mines. No, no, the thing was that I got that lucky uh, Orion yeah. I hoped for. I went into his lane with um, a cuddle <laughs> with a lord also on a... What is he called? Uh, the Saurian Ancient on ob on a Old on a raptor. Yeah. <laughs> As a raptor dude. Yeah. And, uh, and then in his turn he charged my flank in order to hold with something. Okay. So because he had stepped fast on the skin brace, they yeah. hold it. And then he fled or, or he broke and fled with the the two lords. Okay. But they rallied again. Oh, so, so a lot of fled and rallies and yeah, saved. But points. I killed everything that uh, recharged into Yeah, my okay. So that sounded like quite a hard fought game, and that was what, 14 6? 14 6 to me, yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, my game three, I played against Michael Venling mm. with the Kingdom of Equitane, and uh, this was quite a good matchup for me. He had lots of knights, and I had spear elves with. and uh, with <laughs> Citizen Spears, drink. <laughs> I had the Lion Guard, I had the Swordmasters, I had the Dragon, and he didn't have any really... He had two trebuchets, so I was hiding the Dragon most of the game until I, until I dealt with them. Um, but he played really, really well. Uh, it was a solid game. I think I won 16-4, but then he got the, the silly scenario. Ah. So it was it ended up 13-7, but yeah, solid game. So yeah, uh, had a break overnight. Did you do anything in the evening? No, no. <laughs> I drank some beer and then I went home to the Fair play. I think Casimir, uh, the Swede, and <laughs> myself and went to Patrick's girlfriend's best friend's place oh. to some party and uh, had a few drinks. Then uh, we ended up going into town oh. and we, we came in and uh, I sat down there like at the there was one space at the end of the table next to these four Danish girls <laughs> and we were drinking and we were talking and. And I said, I just, I kind of turned around to them and was like, I know a really good English drinking game. Do you want to play this English drinking game? And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so what I said, I was like, okay, okay, girls, what you do is you get your hands and you put your hands together on the table like this. So you put your hands really like next to each other. So your fingers are touching really like as far on the table as you can. And then, and they were like, okay, what now? And I was like, okay, are you ready? And they're like, yeah. Okay. And I, I just, I got their cups. And I put it on top of their hands, like in the middle of their hands, on all four of them. Uh, and then I just started laughing at them. And they, well, they were there, all uh, four of them, with their drink on their hands, and they couldn't move their hands. Because <laughs> obviously if they move their hands, their drink will fall over. <laughs> and all four of them, at one time. <laughs> and I was just sat there laughing for five minutes. And none of them could do anything. 
Like, everyone was like, everyone just turned around, like, looking at them. I think one of them knocked their drinks over, drink over. Oh, it was so funny. These, these girls are just, oh, they just, they just had no, no idea. And then from then on, in the night, it was like, oh, do you want to play an English drinking game? And then, uh, yeah, it was fun. And then we went into town and met all the other guys from the tournament at the bar. And we drank Sambuca shots and... Oh, I think I got home about four o'clock in the morning. Damn. Uh, Casimir was staying at our place, and I think he got home about the same time as me. Woke up in the morning, and game four we were playing each other. <laughs> <laughs> so we were both there, pretty hungover and tired. And uh, yeah, it was a, the scenario was like quarters. Mm. So you had to capture the quarters basically, and you got mm. special rules. And Casimir's playing Undying Dynasties. And his army is built to stand in the corner yeah. and do no, like not move. <laughs> but because of the scenario, he played like in the middle, so it allowed me to get around the flanks, mm. and I just decimated his army. Everything yeah. went really badly. I got my my thirty five spear elves in the in his back line from the triple march banner. Mm. Excuse me. And uh, they ended up charging into the flank of the necro guard. And his his wizard on the last turn was like, okay, I need to raise some Necroguard. Mm. So he five dice the raise spell. He raised four Necroguard and blew up the whole unit. <laughs> <laughs> like every, everything went really bad. Like the, his dice deserted him, and yeah, it was it was a, a whitewash for me game four. So I got that twenty nil. How about you game four? Oh my my uh, my fourth game was extremely slow and extremely. Uh, yeah, I was playing Manny from the Danish ETC team. He plays Orcs and Goblin. He has a lot of units, a lot of movement to do. So before the game started, I told him, okay, we only have uh, 15 minutes for each turn, and I need all six turns. Yeah. Because my army uh, takes all the points in the last couple of turns. Uh, so in the start, we played on time, but he's, he got... The more I put him in a difficult spot, uh, the more time he needed for his uh, movement phase, and we only ended up uh, getting four turns. Okay. So that was uh, that was a bit uh, frustrating. Yeah, that's something that you should consider if you're taking the same army to the ETC, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Because. But it's always a problem uh, because I put a lot of pressure on the enemy in early game. And they need to use a lot of time to set up the puzzle. Yeah. And then in the last couple of turns, I need time. Yeah. But then everyone are pushing me, the judges and yeah. my opponent and everyone. Yeah. So I have to take my decisions too fast. Okay. So maybe in the future I would like a tournament use uh, chess, chess, chess clubs yeah. like we, we, we talk about this on the podcast yeah. a lot. Yeah. We tried that at a tournament, and I think it worked so well. Yeah. If you run out of time, you lose the game. That's it. Yeah. And uh, it's also making the games more fair, because I think a lot of ETC players, uh, they spend more time each turn than their opponent does. Yeah. And that's, that's how they get an advantage. So playing on time, that will make... Uh, now we have this 9-8. Much better rules, much more clear rules than 
before than, than before. So now the next step is to put time into the equation. Yeah, I think I think that's a really sensible suggestion as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's horrible when you're when you're playing and and you go over time. I think I think there was I think after game two, there were down at the bottom tables there was some people playing like into lunchtime and into the next game like an hour and a half over no. like you, it shouldn't take five hours to play a game of knife no. age it really shouldn't uh, so i think that was a bit annoying yeah it's a shame the game ended 12-8 to me it was okay but it put me into a more uh, uh, pressed situation for my last game yeah i had to have more than 10 points yeah of course yeah, well, you were on the top table, yeah. table one against yeah. Oliver, and uh, you at needed. Least, I think I needed at least eleven points. Yeah. To win the tournament. Yeah, I I would have been on. I would have been on uh, seventy fifty three points at that time. So yeah. I was, uh, I was quite like yeah, I was thirteen twelve points behind you, hmm. and I was probably in tenth place or something. Yeah. So we were very very equal up in the. Yeah. Yeah. So um, game five for me, I played the I played uh, Morton, who you played in game two with the Ogre Khans, the Thaumaturgi. I just have to add, if we had played all the time, it would have been a sure twenty nil for me. You think? Yes, I think so. His general was dead, and uh, his PSP was dead. It was only one thousand points of goblins left. (laughs) Okay. Leadership five. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So you just clean, and they clean were up. already in a fight. Yeah. He was just so lucky to pass his uh, leadership, steadfast test on leadership five, so he actually got the scenario. <laughs> okay, so so it maybe would have been a fifteen five or something. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, and then if I had more time, they would have fled on that leadership five. Yeah. Like that. But yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So game five for me uh, against Morton Reaver, who you played game two. With a Thaumaturgy Overcon list, yeah. two Rocker Rocks, two Cannons. A little bit scared for my dragon, yeah. uh, the the Tusker Cavalry. Um, basically, the way I won this was I ran my dragon straight in his face <laughs> and said, "Come at me, bro!" And uh, he fe- he chose not to charge the dragon, and which which gave me an opportunity to charge his bunker. Yeah, okay. And but he what he did he positioned his cannon in front of his bunker. So that I couldn't charge it and overrun. But what happened is he shot his cannon at my dragon mm. and it misfired <laughs> and it killed itself on the last because it had one wound left. Ah, <laughs> so nice. it blew up and then that allowed my dragon to charge in and win the game. Uh, oh. um, I would have won 20 0, mm. but my 35 spearmen failed a leadership 10 test oh, and ran away. Of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then that caused my wizard to get killed and one of my ball throws to die. So that was like a, a four point a four tournament point swing on one leadership test. Ah. So kids bring a BSB next time. <laughs> you didn't have a BSB? No, no BSB. Whoa. I don't have it. We're gonna play yeah. Oh, that's because you want to have matching in the army. Yeah, exactly. I have divination, so that the lore attribute can kind of mitigate that and also have a leadership ten general with a big range. Yeah. So so it's okay. Yeah. That's the that's the risk that you take yeah. and and it didn't work out. But I still won 16-4, and that put me in third place overall on the battle points. Yeah. I really like that you try something new. I think we lack that on uh, some of the more routine players. 
They yeah. don't dare to do stuff like that. Yeah, my my list for giant fanatic was was a bit different as well. So I and think my that, list now. Yeah, yeah, yours different. is very different. I think it's good that we get uh, these new and younger players. We try to do the stuff differently. Yeah, and yeah. it works. Yeah, definitely. I think that if if you want to if you want to win a tournament, it's mm. it's definitely it's not a surefire way of doing it. But if you're bringing something different that people aren't used to playing against, mm. then this can give you a big advantage. Yeah. And we, we don't really see the ancient dragon in Denmark, mm. and so people don't necessarily play against it often and don't necessarily have the tools to deal with it. Yeah. So Lasse, game five, yeah, top game table, five. table yeah. one versus Amatime's own Oliver. Yeah, we were at number one and two yeah. after game four with 65 points each. Out of 80? Both from Amatime, yes. Yeah. Very important point. Yeah. Uh, Amber time, top <laughs> two. Time, top two. <laughs> and uh, I saw his li army list, and I thought, damn, <laughs> there's no way that I that I can get more than ten points because it was Ogre Khan Death Star list. Yeah. With the dude that does D three wounds, you Trump can really wound him. Yeah, he's got nothing can wound him on better yeah. than a four plus. And a lot of ranks in the Death yeah. Star, so you. He would be steadfast against you, and you, my Minotaur's death star won't be yeah. uh, steadfast against him and stuff like that. But I did a charge uh, that made me overrun. Um, so I was standing exactly next to his death star. But looking uh, down the board, and he was looking the other way. So you couldn't so see each other. No one of us could see each other. Okay. Uh, it was a quite interesting situation, and uh, it was Oliver's turn, and he thought that he would take uh, use my frenzy as an advantage. Yeah. So he charged his two cannons into the front of my unit, and the unit with the great weapons into the rear. Okay, so like he, small, if, small, if you know. he was just standing back with one single wound, I had to follow him. Yeah. So if I had to follow him, um, if I had to follow, for example, the unit that charged my rear, yeah. he could uh, flank charge with uh, his death star yeah. into my death star. So it was somehow well played, but he didn't do the math. And also there was a situation, I had a spell on adding one uh, extra attack to the unit and yeah. adding armor piercing two. Okay. And uh, no one of us uh, saw the spell card lying there. Uh, so he just charged in and thought, okay, find three minor towers in the back, striking uh, back. They only have repair weapons, they have 15 web, uh, attacks, rerolling to hit. Uh, that would, in average, do uh, 8.7 wounds, and he okay, had nine wounds. Uh, and he had seven wounds left in okay. that unit. So, so it was a calculated already risk. before the spell, I would win. Yeah. So he, I think he miscalculated that. Okay. Bit, but he took it a chance. Yeah. And then adding the spell, I had three more attacks and yeah. armor piercing, but that didn't matter because yeah. he didn't have the armor anyway. Okay. So it was suddenly 18 attacks and not 15 attacks. So then, then you killed all the ogres. So the four, <coughs> the three minor towers in the back of my Death Star killed the 
unit charging my rear, and my two heroes and uh, the minor towers in the front killed the two cannon chariots. And that allowed you to reform then, uh, his Yeah, turn? then I suddenly yeah. didn't have to pursue, and then I could... You are not allowed to reform and charge, but you are allowed to pivot and charge. Yeah. So I just made a pivot, and I charged his flank. Okay. And that wouldn't be the game? No. I also... Uh, because I thought, this is maybe not enough. Um, so I also wanted to charge with the ghost to the front, but he had uh, the characters and stuff. He had uh, chaffed me off with five, three of those guys with great weapons. Yeah. But for some reason, and I still don't get it today. Maybe I can talk with you about this. Or <laughs> he decided to flee with them, so I could front charge the unit. So my thirty-nine ghost charged the Death Star to the front. And my uh, Death Star Minotaur boss just his uh, flank. Okay, and then that broke the unit, obviously. And it killed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Then it was 20 now for me. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, solid, solid, solid tournament. Right. Um, how many points did you end up with? 85, I think? 85, yeah. And I would have had 20 against Manny if we played all the time. Yeah, so really, really, really great job, Lasse, with the win. Um, I think we'll come back after the break, we'll have a quick break, um, get some more beer because we've both <laughs> run out, <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about how you're going to change your list and how you're going to develop your list in the future from where we are now. Welcome back. Welcome back. We've had a bit of tournament talk, and now we're going to go into uh, Lass's list again. Um, but first, uh, quickly about my list. I've played the Ancient Dragon with uh, four spells, Divination Mage, um, some some Swordmasters, some what, some Lion Guard, three three Sea Guard Reapers. That's the one. Um, yeah, I thought my list was really good. I think the Ancient Dragon is fantastic in the in the current meta. Let's say. Um, at least in our in the Danish meta, it worked really well. I didn't lose it one game. I think in the whole tournament, it had lost three or four wounds the whole tournament. So it's super solid unit. Um, I recommend it, and if anything, I think it's going to be really good going forward. Um, we actually, it was you and I that we talked about the Ancient Dragon before mm. about when when they changed it to a larger base, why we didn't like it, and. And like how it's not as good as it used to be, but the big base it was a problem for me, but it wasn't a, a huge problem that made me think that it's not good enough. Mm. It it made it harder to maneuver, and with this with the shorter movement, it made it difficult to position it right. But I can always play defensive with it and just keep it back, keep it back, keep it back. And there was only one game actually in the last game where I just pushed it forward and and just said, come at me. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, th I think it's really solid. The Divination Magic was also really good. 
Um, I wouldn't so, have changed it at all. Did you experience that people focused all their shooting and magic at it, or um, did they try to take the rest of your army, leaving him behind? I think I think people are kind of stuck in this thing that I've got cannons, I've got trebuchets, so mm -hmm. I need to shoot at the dragon. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I was giving. That's also what I talked about yeah. with bluffers and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like I was giving people one shot on the dragon. Because usually I can block at least one of the war machines with some terrain or something like that. I can hide the dragon. And with a big base, it's quite hard. So, so, so a lot of the time I was thinking, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one shot on the dragon and hide from the other shot. So I'm not taking two shots every turn. I'm just taking one shot every turn. And usually when it's a stone thrower, it's hitting on a 5 plus or a 4 plus which is like an acceptable risk. Mm. And then the, the stone throwers are wounding on a 4+, because so, mm. it's tough in 7. So it's only 25% chance to get a wound. And you also have the, yeah. uh, the lucky shield. Exactly, I also have the lucky shield. So it's not really that bad, especially if I'm guaranteed that I'm going to move up, get hit by something, think, like remove the lucky shield, then charge in next turn. Mm. Because that means that there's absolutely no risk. And even if I move up, I get shot, I get hit, I remove the Luggy Shield, and then I can't charge. Um, even if I get hit and wounded, 25% chance, maybe less on a 5 plus if it's a hit, it's not going to kill me because I've got 7 wounds. So it's super resilient, and I can go in there and kill stuff, and I can be pretty confident that I'm not going to die in one or two turns. Mm. And that's why I think it's really strong. Cool. So, Lasser. But do, do you have anything else? In your army, you would like to shoot with cannons, like chariots? Cannons, you could shoot at the Seaguide Reapers. Yeah. I think that's quite a good target, because that's what's doing the damage on the other end. I'm shooting off your cannons with my bolt mm. throwers, right? Because the the the, can, the war machines are probably the best targets for, for the bolt throwers, actually. Yeah. Because it's hits on a 4+, wounds on a 4+, and I've got 6 shots. Yeah. And, uh, yeah... With the stone throwers, they can shoot at the infantry units, and that's actually what I don't want to get shot. I don't want them to shoot the stone throwers at the line guard. I don't want them to shoot the stone throwers at swordmasters because they're my scoring units. They're my actually units that are killing stuff. I mean, okay, the dragon didn't take any wounds the whole pretty much the whole tournament, and and it stayed alive the whole tournament, but it also didn't really kill that much. Mm. The the only games that really did anything was game two against the demons, which it killed pretty much the whole army. <laughs> but that was because my opponent played aggressively because he was down, and then I Daisy just ate everything. Mm -hmm. And in the last game, when my opponent was a bit unlucky, and the obviously the cannon blew up, which allowed me to charge the the death, the, the bunker in turn three rather than turn four, but I would have charged it anyway. So in that that that. In that sense, then it, it killed a lot of points, mm. but in the other games, it was just hiding the whole whole game, taking small points. Yeah. But it's, as you said, if you look at it mathematically, it's a good investment, because it's a lot of points, it doesn't die. And it gives uh, leadership 18, Barbara. Yeah, leadership 10. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 18 in just leadership yeah. 10. Exactly. And also, I think people uh, should also take into consideration uh, the rule of taking owning space on the board. Yeah, I can make because, a no no fly zone. Yeah, basically. don't don't get within this zone or die. Yeah, it's uh, very valuable. Yeah, 
Uh, something that I want to talk to you about after we talk about my list is also the synergization with the magic. Yeah. And my list works really well with the dragon because of divination. Um, as we talked about with having no BSB, I get the extra dice for rerolls, uh, for leadership tests rather. So but, like being cold lagged. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes my leadership tests, if I'm not within the 18 inch bubble, uh, really good. I can pass them quite easily. But the signature spell also gives hard target. So I can cast that on the dragon, and then it can get hit. It's less likely to hit the dragon. So that gives it more survivability as well, and also distracting. So if someone charges it, it's tough as seven, and it's minus one to hit. Mm. That, I didn't actually get that off many times, maybe once or twice, but not often. And then I can almost also reroll to hit with the dragon. Yeah. And that's nice, because it doesn't hit on plus one. So yeah, Lassa, your army. Yeah. Um, I think you've, you, we should bring up your list again. Um, how would you change your, I wouldn't change my army I think it's almost perfect how would you change your army moving forward to like an ETC setup we're going to the warm up in, yeah. in summer in June and we're, we'll be playing on the same team so how are you going to change your army from this list and develop it further to make it even better I um, the two, first let's talk about the magic, because I have the two totems in my army. And should I bring magic and reduce the amounts of totems, or should I keep the same amount of totems and bring magic into the army list? I have to do some testing. Um, right now, at the moment, my, my I would always argue for not bringing magic. Really? You think it's not as not that good? I think or? it's not worth it. Okay. Is this mathematical or...? No, it's just uh, the totems are in themselves enough. Yeah. I mean, you get eight spells, right? Uh, yes. And But the issue with the totems is that uh, you have to find space for the ether icon. Okay. And um, while finding space for the ether icon, you lose the stalker standard. If you don't bring two units of minor towers, and, yeah. Or you, you can also put the ether icon on a BSB. So th there are some uh, some some stuff to take into consideration. Right now in my current list that you can see uh, in the comments section below, uh, I have three heroes. But I have all I've actually been thinking about building a minor tower warlord with the crown of autocracy on. And uh, flayed hide and uh, and uh, beastman items so monsters uh, only can hit him on sixes. Yeah, that's really solid. Uh, that would be a very cool. Uh, is, that what, is that what I'm playing against? <laughs> After yeah, this podcast. Yeah, okay. And then a minotaur chieftain <laughs> with um, I think it's called Gal. There is like an enchanted item in the Beastman book that gives you the ability to, to cast a shamanism spell that gives you a 5d6 strength 1 hits. Okay, a swarm, swarm of insects. I think it's still yeah, called Swarm of the, Insects. Old, but the item is called something God of. It's okay. God of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, that item also oh, gives you Oh, it's called God of Beetles. Yeah, God of Beetles, exactly. Yeah. And you also get the attribute. Like you can only be wounded on fast. Yeah. So if you bring a single Minotaur chieftain with totem and that item, he has five bounce spells. 
And then you can give him bronze breastplate, so for one turn he can have a one plus armor save. Yeah. And then you can put a totem on the big gore unit. So suddenly it would bring only two characters that are extremely fighting. You still get six bounce spells. Okay. Oh, so you have some really good spells, you have some really good fighting characters, and you spend very few points on characters. That seems that seems solid. Yeah. Who's yeah. Your, is the Minotaur your general? Yes, then the Minotaur Warlord is the general and should stay in the unit, only charge out yeah. if it's really necessary. Um, and then you can just fill out with crazy stuff. Gauze, minor towers, sun towers. Well, sorry. <laughs> um, but my for you to see, I don't want to bring any monsters. Okay. Because I don't want that sh a shitty matchup where you play against the uh, whatever they call now God of Runners with poison and stuff like that that, that are just running around your army shooting down your monsters. Uh, it's just too risky. There's no reason to do that when you can get a, a racer task units and chariots and centaurs and other units that can do the same stuff as well. Okay, so are you going to keep your core setup? Are you going to change that at all? Uh, I'm trying to experience with the new um, Warhounds. Okay. You, if you buy eight, you can get them as core. Okay. But I, I don't think they are worth it. I think you get so much more value out of uh, Raiders with Scarf. Yeah, they do, I think they do the same job. And it's also really nice to have the bows yeah. in the army because you have you only have the, in the new list you only have the one offensive spell. Okay. The God of Beatles. The Beatles, God yeah. Of Beatles, yeah. But I will always bring the gargoyles. Yeah. I was very skeptical about them before the tournament. But now I would never leave home without them. <laughs> they enough. are extremely valuable. Yeah. If they stand within the BSB and the leadership management, they don't flee. Um, and if you just have one left, they can uh, fly over your entire army. And the flights, fly away. ten, right? Yeah, fly ten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they can also fight a little bit. And yeah. You still and you're gonna have more centaurs, right? Yes, and my plan is to bring at least six guardians, at least. Okay. Because I have uh, read some stuff written by Rasmus Mühlbach, a Danish EDC player, about uh, being in the advantage of the scenario before the game starts. Yeah. So I'm experiencing with bringing in a lot of scoring units into my arm. Yeah. And I think the centaurs are okay. Fair enough. I mean, we, we talked about them before, and they yeah. sounded really solid, like the yeah. multi-rolls they can do, mm. and how they can kill Traff, Shrimp 5, lots of attacks. Yeah. yeah, it sounds really good. How about the Razor Tusk Chariot? Is that staying in the list? It's staying in the list, because uh, I think uh, being sure, when you call a charge, being sure that you get that charge, it's... Uh, Extremely valuable. Yeah, so I think the charge phase of the game yeah. is one of the most random phases, yeah. and as we've been kind of going on the whole time about in this podcast, yeah. is like your risk and the mathematical percentage of something mm. succeeding yeah. is is really important when you're calculating what you should do. 
Right. So if you can mitigate this risk, which is probably the biggest risk in the whole game, right. charging something, then this can really help you win a game. It's also for an army like mine, when you have a big boss, people tend to chat it up all the time. That's so, what I'm going to be doing. So <laughs> when you finally get that one option of getting a charge through without having all the chat in the way, it's so important that you get it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And if that can win you the game as well, yeah. then it's worth it. Yeah. So um, I definitely think that... Uh, I, maybe I should bring it in another version, the Beast Lord version, perhaps. Okay. Uh, still does the same thing? Yeah, if he can, uh, Beast Lord can upgrade with the chariot for only 180 points. So okay. you pay 70 points less than the actual cost of the Vesitas chariot. Okay, that's but, good. Um, I have tried a lot of games with the Beast Lord in the chariot and I don't like him. He's too slow, he's always standing in the way, stuff like that. It's, it works so much better with the minor tower characters that can leave the unit, uh, uh, join it, and they have a smaller base. Everything <laughs> is just... Because you have a lot of stuff yeah. in a beast herd army without monsters. And you have to fit with everything within the BSP and leadership management. Yeah. So, so I've got one more question for you um, before we finish the interview. Um, how does magic synergize with your army? Apart from obviously, we talked about the plus one, plus D three, and, and the initiative spell yeah. that helps you charge things and kill things before they kill you. Yeah. But how do the other spells actually synergize within the army? Yeah. Maybe you could tell us what actually what spells yeah. you get from the totems. Yeah. Like there are four different spells from a totem, and uh, so you have two characters each with a totem being able to cast four different spells. The same uh, same caster can't cast the totem twice, but you can cast it twice with two different totem barrels. Yep. Um, you are not allowed to have two uh, bound spells, uh, totems bound spells active at the same unit at the same time. Okay. That's also so they can't stack important. on top of each yeah, other. They can't stack. Um, and there are four different uh, totems, and each of them gives two things. The first one gives you, uh, and now I'm just taking a random order, gives you one more attack and armor piercing two. This spell is extremely powerful on the gore block. Yeah. On the gore horde. Three attacks each. Because yeah, they get one more attack, but most of all they get armor piercing two, and they are only strength three. Yeah. So if you have used the banner while adding one to strength, if you already have used that, this bounce spell can help you grind through knights and stuff like that. Yeah. And armor save. So even though you have so many attacks, if you don't just have to roll six to wounds, you still make a lot of wounds. Because you make a lot of hits because yeah. you have hatred, right? Yeah. yeah. Usually. Primal instinct, yeah. And um, so that's kind of the only thing I use that spell for. Okay. That's also, if I should only bring one totem bear, I would always turn the champion in the goal hall into a totem bearer, having that. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you kill the champion, you lose a spell, right? Yes. Exactly. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And how about the others? The next one is uh, you get magic resistance 3 
and hard target. That's nice. It's situation so so yeah because if you cast it on one unit the guy will just shoot a magic missile or stuff like that on another unit yeah but it's very good uh, on my racer toss chariot oh yeah because you cannons don't, shoot have, cannons, yeah. don't hit it as easily and magic missiles don't hit it as easily uh, also some people tend to focus the the Minotaurs, because if they shoot the rank and file below five, they can shoot with war machines and stuff like that on the characters. characters. Yeah. Okay. So if you see that the guy has a lot of shooting and he would probably have that as his only option, you can throw that spell on the big boss. Okay. And then, how about the others? Then you have the... We talked plus about... one armor save and distraction. Okay, interesting. It's a very interesting, but the thing that you add one armor save... That's not really that good. It doesn't give a, a, anything to most of your uh, to most of your units, because you have no armor save anyway. Yeah. But it's uh, re very powerful on my uh, Minotaur Warlord, mm -hmm. because he has a 2 plus armor save that turns into a 1 plus. Yeah. And giving him distraction. So, so, he, so if the heroes are alone, and a bluff his helm, yeah. <laughs> and a ward save, yeah, he can't die in combat. Yeah. Then so that that's a really, really, really solid spell then on the characters. Yeah. But you can you can still cast it on the entire unit. Also, if you go the flail mode, like yeah. I love, I like having flail on my BSP, BSP, and also sometimes on my Minotaur Warlock, you get plus one to hit because of flail. You get minus one to hit because of the spell, and yeah. then you are normal. Yeah, <laughs> cancels out. Striking first with strength eight or seven. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, and then the last one we talked about, which was the charge range spell, yeah, and that, the that's most good on... one of the most important spells. Yeah, and that works in all the units, right? Because you don't have any offensive spells, you don't have any magic missiles, you don't have anything that can kill anything at range. Yeah. So you need in to get into combat, so you can cast extra charge range when you are not in combat, uh, or you can move up in front of the enemy catching, casting extra charge range, because it also gives initiative. Yeah. So if he wants to counter charge or charge you, you can strike first. You strike first, yes. Yeah. So the first couple of rounds I cast extra charge range, extra. Uh, uh, hard target and magic resistance yeah. in the area, and then in the later turns I use all the spells okay. depending on the situation. Yeah, it sounds good. So you have you have two spells and double of each for every situation. Yeah. So you can pretty much all ensure spells. that yeah ensure that you can get your right buff off. I mean, how how do you feel about the beastman's power level? A lot of people are saying that they're really good at the moment. They're one of the best armies. Do you feel the same? Um, I'm looking into all the arm books and trying to see what the viable builds are. And at the moment, I I think it's a very very good list because it can play uh, mostly all the scenarios, but it has some extreme uh, weaknesses. Having no armor, uh, and if you somehow disturb the leadership and BSB management. The army will fall apart. Okay, if you can death snipe the or I shouldn't yeah, do advocation yeah. snipe. Yeah. 
taking a, if you have some flying monster that can somehow uh, put pressure on the general standing behind the arm, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but don't try to take it on in a head-on fight. <laughs> You'll lose. You will lose, yes. Fair enough. Well, thanks very much, Russell. So, so if you should give players an advice against an army like this, uh, be patient, stand back, but at the same time try to capture space on the board so if you break from combat, there is space to flee and also that you have the opportunity to actually flee. So, and a Star Dragon, for example, is a very good example of capturing space. Yeah. Because I would be afraid of moving my army forward, especially my gorse, because as we talked about, their worst uh, scenario is a character with a small base or a monster, and he is like both. Yeah, well, he has a big base, but uh, <laughs> you get a lot of attacks against the Star Dragon. Sure, but he can save it. Yeah, I think so. Um, so in that way, the the, op the opponent always have like one big hard hitting unit that can capture a lot of space. And if he can avoid me of chatting that unit, I can move my army over the board. Yeah. Um, so capture space, kill the general, and then you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah. Thank you very much, Lasse, yeah, for, for sharing your tournament experience. And well done again for, for winning. Um, I think as an Amazon group, we're doing very well at the moment. Yeah. Getting good placing in, the, in all the big tournaments. Yeah. Say so, um, another well done to Simon. He won the best painted. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, his his army was fantastic actually. Yeah, really nice. I, I didn't vote for him actually, but um, I thought he was his army was one of the top ones there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get any pictures of it, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask him for some yeah. so I can post them on the show notes. I did get some pictures of all my games. Yeah. And I did get some pictures of the army which I voted for, which was uh, an Oka Kingdom's army, which yeah. was really good. Um, I'll put some pictures of those underneath. Um, maybe Lassa, you'd like to send me some pictures of your some of your army as well. Yeah, uh, you've got some very nicely painted models. You can take them tonight. Yeah, definitely. During our yeah, game. then yeah, you don't even have to send me them. Yeah. And uh, I'll put some pictures of those up. We'll put your lists underneath. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, thank you very much for listening tonight. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you out there. Thank <laughs> you for keeping up the great spirit. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And yeah. uh, of course, you're always welcome to contact us at amazondk at yeah. gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at Henry P Miller, and maybe maybe you can get Lassa as well. Yeah, you can find me find me on my uh, business page called uh, Magnetic Movement Trace on Facebook. Yeah, uh, where you also can see uh, all the magnetic movement trace I'm selling if you like. Um, yeah, like the page. There will also Quite often there are some news from the tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, just have a chat if you like. Yeah, Lasse is selling these fantastic magnetic movement trays. We've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, mm. not recently. Um, yeah, and if you if you go on the page every now and again, Lasse does special offers on yeah. these movement trays as well. And you ship to all of Europe. All of Europe, yes. All of Europe. So uh, yeah, have it. We'll we'll put a link to that on the show notes as well. Great. So if you want to contact Lassa or get some magnetic movement trays, you can have a look on that page as well. So yeah, thanks for listening. And Thank you, guys. See you on the next show. Bye.